Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in Isaiah 2, but before we go there, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, I thank you for today and I thank you for who you are. I'm grateful for the fact that you love me. I'm grateful for the fact that you have forgiven me and that you care about me enough to have your word here, have great minds and scholars to help explain it and that your Holy Spirit is here too with me. And Lord, I just come before you as we read. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would guide us, that you would help us understand what it is we need to take away from it, that our hearts and our minds would be open and that be your wisdom and understanding we gain. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's go ahead and jump on into Isaiah 2, verse 1. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So obviously this is from and what Revelations points to. We've read this. We've seen it before as we went through Revelations two times. And um, so, yeah. Anyways, let's go on to verse 6. You, Lord, have abandoned your people, the descendants of Jacob. They are full of superstitions from the east. They practice divination like the Philistines and embrace pagan customs. So did he abandon them or did they abandon him? Their land is full of silver and gold. There is no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses. There is no end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. So people will be brought low and everyone humbled. Do not forgive them. So I think about this, and doesn't this really, I can relate to it as being me and my efforts and my work and the things I've put above God. The the efforts I've placed at becoming wealthy and just you know, more successful. Verse 10, go into the rocks, hide in the ground from fear, from the fear, fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. The eyes of the arrogant will be humbled and human pride brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. The Lord almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty for all that is exalted and they will be humbled. For all the cedars of Lebanon, tall and lofty, and all the oaks of Bashan. For all the towering mountains and all the high hills. For every lofty tower and every fortified wall. For every trading ship and every stately vessel. The arrogance of man will be brought low and human pride humbled. 
The Lord alone will be exalted in that day, and the idols will totally disappear. People will flee to caves in the rocks and to holes in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he rises to shake the earth. In that day, people will throw away the moles and bats or throw away to the moles and bats their idols of silver and idols of gold, which they made to worship. They will flee to caverns in the rocks and to the overhanging crags from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty when he rises to shake the earth. Stop trusting in mere humans who have but a breath in their nostrils. Why hold them in esteem? So I really think about this and ponder the whole concept of how we run and we try to hide. To think that we can hide from God is foolishness. And I think about that when I sin. I come up with rationalizations as to why I think it's possible for me not to be seen by God as I sin. How I'm going to keep this from him despite being ashamed and knowing it's not true. So Matthew Henry wrote in the 1700s, late 16, early 17, his concise commentary on the whole Bible. He was a Presbyterian minister, and he wrote a lot. He writes about this one section. He says, It is folly for those who are pursued by the wrath of God to think to hide or shelter themselves from it. The shaking of the earth will be terrible to those who set their affections on things of the earth. Men's haughtiness will be brought down, either by the grace of God convincing them of the evil of pride, or by the providence of God depriving them of all the things they were proud of. The day of the Lord shall be upon those things in which they put their confidence. Those who will not be reasoned out of their sins sooner or later shall be frightened out of them. So I think about it again. How often do I try to hide my sin from God? How often am I thinking, oh, he won't see it as I do it? Or even worse, I don't care if he sees it. You see, when I'm sinning, I'm hardening my heart in in a very significant way from God, not worrying about him, not worrying about the impact, but just sitting there saying, yeah, well, it is what it is. And you can't hide from it. You can't hide it from God. He sees us. It doesn't matter if we go, as the scripture says, if we go into caves, hide in rocks, or the holes in the ground, he's still going to see us. And I always have to think about that because at the end of the day, do I want to embarrass myself and disappoint him? There's a lot there for me to ponder. And hopefully over time I get more to the point where I don't, neither one of those is the key, is the driving force. Really instead it's, I want to please him. Now, whether or not I want to disappoint him or embarrass myself, but that I want to please God. And every day it's a struggle because I'm not there yet. With that, let's go back to God in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking to us. I'm grateful for the way that you teach us and you talk to us. And even though this may not apply to anybody else, but it does apply to me, and I'm thankful that you speak to me and you guide me. I just pray, Lord, for you to open our hearts and our minds, open mine, 
and strengthen me to do the right thing, to do what you would want me to do so that you're honored and glorified in some small way by me. I just thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God. I hope you have a great day.